Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Susan Cotton. Susan is a dental hygienist, a passionate speaker, trainer, consultant, and oral cancer coach to dental offices and dental professionals. She is a subject matter expert on HPV, head and neck, oral, and oral pharyngeal cancer screening. As the owner of Oral Cancer Consulting, Susan developed a unique oral cancer office system and screening protocol called the Cotton Method to increase early detection and reduce liability. Susan is a regional coordinator and RDH advisory board member with the Oral Cancer Foundation, a 2018 Sunstar RDH Award of Distinction recipient, and the Colorado Dental Hygiene Association Outstanding Contribution recipient. In her 26 years as a dental hygienist, Susan has worked in private practice and in dental public health as an integrative dental hygienist. In 2010, she founded MAD for Healthy Smiles as a member of the Donnie Osmond's Make a Difference program. In 1994, she graduated from the University of Colorado School of Dental Medicine, and she also completed advanced coursework in oral facial myofunctional therapy at the Colson Institute. Her mission is to raise awareness, increase early detection, and save lives by causing a paradigm shift in dentistry's view of our cancer. It is my pleasure now to bring you to my interview with Ms. Susan Cotton. Susan, I am so excited to have you join me today, and thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. So like I always do, I'd love it if you could share with your audience, with the audience you know, how you got into dentistry and a little bit about your story and what you're doing today in the field. Sure. Well, you know, I wasn't like some people who knew at like you, age 12, I wanted to go into dentistry. I was working for my dad, who was a veterinarian, and I started working in his animal hospital. Oh my gosh, I can remember at six years old, helping him castrate a cat. Wow. Yeah. And my sister and I would clean kennels and we just grew up working in the animal hospital. At the time, I was in my early 30s. I was his front office. I assisted in surgery, I had dog and cat dentals. I was doing everything there was to do in the dental office. My mom worked there, my sister worked there, and my young daughter who was first grade was there doing stuff too. One day a hygienist came in to the office and I was at the working front office that day and we started talking. And I told her, you know, I did the dog and cat dentals and I loved that. And she said, you know what? You should consider dental hygiene school. I think you would be a great dental hygienist. And I thought, really? I've never thought about dental hygiene. And my dad was looking at retiring in a few years. And I, and I knew I needed to pursue something else because I couldn't work for another veterinarian but him. And so what I did is I shadowed her and I shadowed a couple of her other hygienists and I decided, yeah, 
this is for me. This is for me. So I had to go back to school, to college again, and take some prerequisites that I didn't have before I applied to dental hygiene school. And I applied, I got in, I attended University of Colorado School of Dentistry, their dental hygiene program, and graduated in 1994. And I went back as a single parent, as a single mom. And that was pretty difficult because we know how strenuous dental hygiene and dental school is, but I did it. And I did it because of the support of my family. But, but that's how I got started. I love doing dog and cat dentals. In fact, I was using an ultrasonic scaler at my dad's dental practice. And that's, yeah, that's how it started. Oh my gosh, that's such a great story. So cool. Now, tell me a little bit, you know, I've never talked to anyone that has done, you know, hygiene care for pets. Tell us a little bit about what it's like, because I bet it's fascinating, because the teeth have got to be so different. Calculus is is uh, way up there, I'm sure. It is, you know, so... And actually, now in dentistry, they have, you know, they've got the ultrasonic scaler. They've always had that. But now they have hand instruments, too. In fact, I have a cousin who is a veterinarian. And when he opened his practice, he asked me as a hygienist to help him pick out the hand instruments that he should order for his veterinary practice. So, but yeah, you know, my dad would do blood work before they did dentistry on either the cat or the dog, you know, to make sure everything is good. They're intubated, they're under local, they're under anesthesia, and they're lying there with their, we have a mouth prop, their mouth's open, you're suctioning, and you're cleaning away. But yeah, there's, there's plaque, there's stain, there's calculus, gum disease, decay, um, just like with humans. Oh my gosh, how exciting. Even now they're doing polishing. Even in the era of COVID-19? Well, I don't know about now, but. (laughs) (laughs) Because even hygienists aren't supposed to be using. Right, but I mean, you know, now in animal dentistry, they're polishing. Okay, so. You know, you spent how many years working in the veterinary office before you went to hygiene school? Oh, my gosh. I worked, well, like I said, I worked in the animal hospital from the age of six. But I was really there full time for probably four years before I went on to dental hygiene school. And then you finished up that one child, two children. How many children? I have one daughter. One daughter. Okay. And then when you graduated, did you go right into clinical dental hygiene? I did. I went into private practice and I worked private practice for, oh my gosh, from 1994 until 2018. Wow. Yeah. I was at the same practice for, gosh, what was it, 17 years in Louisville, Colorado? It was just like, you know, an ideal place. The owner, the dentist, he was amazing. We had 
associates that would come and go and some other owners, but the team as a whole was just stellar. Yeah. There's nothing better than that, is there? There isn't. You know, and then after um, that dentist retired and sold the practice, a couple years later, I left and I worked in an FQHC. Ah, very good. Serving the homeless. And that was really rewarding. I loved I loved that job. I loved working there. And we did what was called integrative dental hygiene. So not only were we in clinic, but because of what we can do here in Colorado as hygienists from our practice act, we had what was called dental hygiene triage, where the hygienists would actually triage the dental emergency patients and then get them scheduled appropriately. Was it a true emergency? If it was, get them scheduled in to see the dentist. Was it, you know, something that um, perhaps it was even medical related? You know, we would do a whole triage and because we were in the medical suites, we also worked with the medical providers, the doctors, the PAs, the nurses, and it was truly an integrative model of dental hygiene. Wow, that's exciting. So now you don't do private practice anymore. So tell us what you've done since 2018. I mean, I I know a little bit about this piece of your story just from having had several interactions with you on the speaker's circuit, but tell us a little bit more about what you're doing today. Well, today I own my own business. It's called Oral Cancer Consulting, and I do speaking on head and neck oral, oral pharyngeal cancer, HPV. I do trainings. I go into dental offices and educate the entire team and help them implement an oral cancer office system. We know systems work for everything, right? And I was at a loss. It was like, because where I was in private practice, People wouldn't understand, you know, like the front desk, oh, why does Susan want to bring somebody back again for a follow-up? You know, so the whole thing of systems is educating the whole team. So I know why front office wants me to do what I need to do, and front office knows why I want to bring that patient back for a follow-up. So how did you go down this path? It, was there something that happened that precipitated all of this and your focus to oral cancer? Or was it just something that just happened? You know, there was um, something that happened. It was two events right in a row, and it was 10 years ago. I had a patient who previously, before she became my patient, she had been diagnosed with HPV, oral pharyngeal cancer. And... I was seeing her every three months. I was doing all I knew to help manage the oral side effects of that cancer. But after I'd been seeing her for about a year, you know, she came in for her hygiene appointment. We were talking about weekend plans and she looks at me with tears and says, Susan, I'm going to a friend's wedding. And all I want to be able to do is go to this wedding I can never cry, never not cry when I say this. All I want to be able to do is go to this wedding and smile, just like everybody else does, without the constant fear that somebody will see what my teeth look like. And when she said that, MJ, I thought, 
wow, I have no idea how this cancer has affected her entire life. I've seen how it's affected her mouth. And as a good hygienist, I was focused on that, but I had no clue until then what it had really done to her life. You know, because our mouth, our teeth, our smile, that's everything. That's how we communicate. And she wasn't able to do that, to go out freely and laugh and talk and eat and smile and take pictures. And isn't that so critically important because of, you know, everything surrounds what we do with our mouths, doesn't it? I mean, eating and everything that gives us so much pleasure, showing love, showing affection, kissing people, hugging people, you know, it all is related and the smile expresses who we are as people. And they say that animals that lose their teeth will die. Mm. So what does that say? So, you know, that weekend, so she was going to her wedding and I had my own big event to go to that weekend. But what was my concern? It wasn't that I couldn't smile. It was, are my teeth white enough? Right? Isn't that what we think about, really? The superficial stuff. As people in dentistry, we want, we really care about the appearance of our teeth. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, that's what we do, right? But I thought, wow, I'm concerned about how white my teeth are. And so I went to my big event, and it was the Donny Osmond fan club get-together in Las Vegas. And... I had been in love with Donny Osmond since I was six years old and I was going to get to meet him. I mean, he and I are about the same age. I had his posters all over my bedroom wall growing up and I got to go to, yeah, right. Who, 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 who doesn't, love, you know, in our age group, right? Yeah, right. And so, so I went to the fan club get together in Las Vegas. It was a real intimate affair with about, myself, my sister, and 300 other women our age, right? And it was a weekend event. But what he did was, um, you know, we interacted with him a lot. I even got to go work out with him and his trainer. And, but what he said was, I want to encourage all of you here to give back, to make a difference in your communities. So what I'm doing over this weekend is, my assistants will be asking you, what would you do to make a difference in your community? And then towards the end of the weekend, I'll be selecting 10 of these ideas to be a part of my inaugural Tony Osmond Make a Difference program. And so I, you know, just a few days before I'd had that conversation with my patient, Evelyn, and she was heavy on my heart. And... So when they said that, I was like, well, I know what I would do. I want to raise awareness about HPV, oral and oral pharyngeal cancer. And so I told them that. And I ended up, long story short, I ended up being selected for his program. And so that was my big aha moment. It was like, okay, these two things came together. I'm supposed to do something and go out and make a difference. 
And so that whole year, it was, what am I going to do? And that's when I found the Oral Cancer Foundation, and I became the regional coordinator for them. And I just immersed myself in finding out more and more about HPV. You know, that was 10 years ago. And we were hearing a little bit about HPV 10 years ago, but not like we do now. Mm -hmm. So I got involved with the Oral Cancer Foundation, and then I started having free screening events at the dental clinic and different places in my community. And I organized an oral cancer event to support the Oral Cancer Foundation. And I've just been going nonstop. Ever since then. Isn't that amazing? It just became my passion. And as I met more and more survivors of this cancer, patients going through treatment for this cancer, and knowing people who've lost their lives from this cancer, that's been my driving force to keep going. Because I believe we're not doing enough in dentistry. We have an epidemic of oral pharyngeal cancer. You know, we are dealing with a pandemic, but in dentistry, we have an epidemic. Are we doing enough? I don't believe so. And so that's, what I'm out to do. Is it possible that the vaccine is going to make a difference? They believe so. So all of the research for the vaccine, the HPV vaccine was done for cervical cancer, but the experts believe. So what do we know? You know, HPV, it's, um, you know, you're exposed to it vaginally, that you can be exposed to it orally. But then when you receive a vaccine, it's not just going to prevent cervical cancer. You know, a vaccine will attack the whole body. We know that. We know in our science background how vaccinations work and how the science is. So they truly believe in herd immunity for HPV will help reduce oral pharyngeal cancer. And it took a few years, but you know, first the vaccine was approved for women for cervical cancer, but now it's approved for males to help prevent HPV cancers in males. Because not only do we have oral pharyngeal and cervical cancer, but there's anal cancer, penile cancer. A lot of people don't know that. Yes, HPV, penile cancer, that can happen. Is it rare? Yeah, it's more rare, but it can happen. Wow. What a great service that you're providing to the community, Susan. I I think kudos to you because not many pick up the torch when they're called like that. I, I feel like it's calling and not many people put those two incidences together and realize that they're here to do something bigger than what they were doing and you heard it. So good for you. I I think that's incredible, incredible, incredible. What's the single best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you and has it helped support you in your journey um, to where you are today? Oh yeah. So, you know, this came from several people, my mom and dad from pastors, but really is believe in God know his son Jesus as your savior 
and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you. And that's, you know, it may sound Pollyanna, but that truly is the best piece of advice personally and professionally that I've had because am I perfect at that? Oh my gosh, no, I'm not. <laughs> and there have been times when, you know, I knew the Lord was telling me to do something and I'm like, you know, I don't think that would be quite right. I'm going to do this. And you know what? It was epic failure. Oh, sure. <laughs> I always know when, when I'm in the flow because things always work out perfectly when I pay attention and when I'm not paying attention, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm knocking my, my stuff over. I'm doing something silly and things never work out. So you know, you know, you're on the right path when things are working out perfectly. So yes. <laughs> yeah, we're to the wise, you know, if things aren't working out so well, maybe you need a different path because usually when, when you're on the right one, it, it seems to work perfectly. So for whatever reason, my walk with the Lord, you know, it doesn't, is doesn't say in the Bible that it's going to be perfect. It's just, that he's going to be there with you. That's great. That's great. What do you think helped you the most to get to where you are today? Just your family support. I know we talked a little bit about that earlier. Um, is that, do you think that that contributed the most to where you are today? You know, family support was huge. It really was huge. My mom's push. My mom was a strong woman and she told us that we could do anything we wanted to do and she believed in us. My dad did too, but you know, she was, she, my mom didn't go to college, but she was an entrepreneur with my dad, their animal hospital, and she pushed us girls, myself and my sister, to, to achieve things. But you know, getting me to where I am today too is there's a tribe of women who are strong, they are powerful, they are intelligent, and you being one. Oh, thank you. That encourage us and support us and say, you know, you're making a difference. You can do this. And that really has the last several years has been a, a big influence in me getting to where I am because the last few years, my career with my business and making a difference in oral cancer has taken a huge leap. And, and I really believe it's, it's a tribe of women in dentistry, dentists and hygienists and, and administrative. Well, that's, that's the one thing that I'm finding also, and you've hit the nail right on the head for me is that, you know, we're better together, all of us, and it doesn't matter what role you play. We all do better when we each support each other in the roles that we have. So, you know, I don't think a dentist is any, you know, having been in every role there is in an office in my career, you know, a dentist is not any more important than a hygienist or an assistant. We cannot do our work without each other. And a front desk staff paying attention to what they're doing and making sure that all of the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed is significantly important for your practice um, health. It is. I agree. I, I think we need each other. And I think that the more support we have from each other, the better we all do. 
Yeah, that's so true. And you know, that's part of, I developed the cotton method of screening. And so people think it's, it's all about the hands-on, the visual tactile exam. Well, yes it is, but it's a whole office system. And it just goes back to what you said. It takes all of us. And so that's why I believe it's so important that the front office and dental assistants, the office manager, everybody be educated on oral cancer, signs and symptoms. So we can work together to save lives. And I do believe that occasionally patients will bring up a symptom that they may not understand. But if we as clinicians hear something that precipitates, oh my goodness, maybe that's related to X, Y, and Z, you know, then we've done our job. We've been able to help them, I'm sure. You know, one of the a classic, I, I apologize, I, I'll just share this quick story with you, a classic that I remember from um, a good friend of mine. She kept saying to me, MJ, my mom's lost the sense of taste for salt. And I thought that was such an odd thing. Well, sure enough, she developed cancer. And um, it was salivary cancer, and it was a signal. And so whenever somebody mentioned that to me, you know, which has only been a couple of times in the rest of my career, it's a red flag for me and I get them over to the oral surgeon for biopsies right away. Yeah, good for you. You know, that's so true because what I like to teach dental offices is this. So what if somebody calls into the front office and they say, oh my gosh, you know, upper right tooth, I'm having pain. Oh, but you know what? I also, I'm having difficulty swallowing. Feels like something's caught in my throat and it won't go down. Well, if the front office doesn't know that that's a red flag, that may not get passed on, right? And and it doesn't always mean somebody has cancer, but it's like, that's a symptom to pay attention to, just like with your experience that you had. Sure, absolutely. Who do you think has had the biggest impact on your life? That's easy. That's my daughter. Oh. Yeah. Such a special place for our children, isn't there? Oh, my gosh. My daughter is the most amazing woman I know. She will be 39 this year. She's be my age. (laughs) Um, But she grew up in a single parent home um, from the time she was in first grade. She is wise. She's intelligent. She's also a dental hygienist. Oh, how fabulous. She is. uh Uh-huh. And she has given me four fabulous, amazing grandchildren. And MJ, I watch her be a mother and how she juggles everything. And the oldest one is almost 15. The youngest one, he's almost eight. And I watch her do everything that she does. And she does it well. And she has the biggest heart. She's just, it's her. Mm, Isn't that nice? That's so nice. But you know what? Apples never fall too far from trees. So (laughs) your daughter is a direct result of the great mom that you were. So give yourself some credit here too, because, you know, I do believe that great daughters result from, being led by wonderful moms and 
you know, I'm not saying one way or the other about my own daughter, but, you know, I know that that part of who she is was watching part of my story and becoming, you know, being a part of my life and journey through dentistry. And, you know, I do believe that that your daughter absolutely is is a result of all the things that you passed on to her, too. So kudos to you. Well, I think a lot of prayer, too. I mean, because I don't know. I know, I know I made a lot of mistakes, but I think I did some things right. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of prayer, a lot Good. of prayer too. <laughs> now, has there been an obstacle that you've overcome that you're really proud of during your lifetime? Yeah. And we talked about that a little bit. It was going to dental hygiene school as a single mom. I was in my early thirties and that's when I went back to dental hygiene school, single mom, and it was tough mm-hmm. because hygiene school, you know, dental school, it's five days a week, all day long. And then you come home and you study. And back in the day when I was in hygiene school, I would make three by five cards and I would drive my daughter to basketball practice or to dance practice wherever it was and there I was with my books and the three by five cards I was studying it was it was difficult to be a single mom and and get through there and graduate so I'm pretty proud of that absolutely absolutely I think that many young women today in fact in dental school you know where at Tufts where I am I can think on right off the top of my head, we probably have 20 moms in, in each one of the classes, you know, cumulatively. And they're all just working away, doing what they need to do and taking care of their kids at the same time. In fact, there was one woman that I, I remember who's just recently graduated last year, 2019. And she went out to Texas with her family. She had four children all the way through dental school. Now, my daughter was five when I started dental school. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was a hygienist for 15 years before I went to hygiene. Uh, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And so, you know, having that experience really certainly helped me get through dental school. But nonetheless, it's, it's very difficult. It's not an easy task. And it's not easy having children to manage during that whole time, especially if you're by yourself. Now, I wasn't by myself, but, you know, basically, I pretty much handed off all the care to my husband and lots of family members and, and neighbors and all that sort of stuff, because there's nothing you can do. If you're going to focus on this, you really have to focus on it because there's, there's no room for, you know, playing around with it. It's, it's pretty serious for sure. That's right. That's right. Good for you. Good for you. For both of us, for sure. So when you reflect back, would you describe yourself as a confident woman when you were younger? And if not, how do you think you gained more confidence? Yeah, you know, confident, confident in some ways and confident, not confident in others, really situational. So elaborate a little bit more on that. Just, you know, kind of like highlight, you know, what didn't you feel so confident about and what things did you feel confident about? Is there a big difference between the two? Yeah, as, as a young person, I was not confident speaking to people, getting up and talking in front of people. My sister, my older sister, oh my gosh, she can get up and talk to anybody. 
uh, anything, anytime. And as a younger growing up and as a younger adult, oh my gosh, that was the worst thing you could ever do is put me up in front of a group of people. I was an athlete. I was a swimmer. I played basketball in my late twenties, early thirties. I was a competitive dancer in country dance. So really confident if I didn't have to say anything. <laughs> Tell me how you overcame that and now doing public speaking as a profession. I mean, good for you. Right? <laughs> That's amazing. That's a huge thing to overcome. It, it is. It is. I just had to because when I started on this journey with oral cancer, I started going to the dental school here in Colorado and the hygiene schools and I would give maybe about a 45 minute presentation to them and encourage them to come to the oral cancer walk. It was all about supporting the walk that I was doing to raise funds to support the oral cancer foundation. But then they would ask me to come back and speak more about HPV, speak more about oral cancer. And I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And so I started putting little presentations together. And this was nine, 10 years ago. And I would get up and talk. And it just kept growing. You know, study clubs would ask me to come. And then my local component in the Hygiene Association asked me to come. And gosh, about three years ago, it started just growing. And I thought, yeah okay, I need to do more. And that's when I got involved with Jumpstart and getting some personal coaching and talking with other speakers, having those mentors that they've been there, they've done it, how did they do it? And again, just getting that tribe of women who are supporters and encouragers and wanted to see you grow. Right. I want you to elaborate a little bit on that, if you can, because I do believe coaching is, is critically important, especially if we're trying to learn something new or to develop a, an area in our life that we know that we're not good at at this point. So walk us through your experience with a coach, because I, I do think that that is, is really helpful information that some of our our colleagues may be interested in hearing about. Yeah. You know, I've worked with several coaches on different things. Jumpstart, you know, Vanessa Emerson, she's got coaching there for, for your business, for speaking and, you know, all pretty much all facets of growing a business. But I've worked with Margie Schaller on, my PowerPoints, technology isn't my forte. Yeah, so Margie is huge. Joanne Majors for speaking, Paul Homily, so many people. So it's meeting with them, finding out really what your weaknesses are, or maybe you really even have some strengths that you don't even know, and they see those strengths in you and help bring them out and practicing, just practice. Over and over and over. Over and over and you know, know your content, know 
know your content and just practice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because I, as I reflect back on the first episode that I did for the podcast and I think, oh my gosh, it was so different than, than the way I do things today. But I think we all have to start somewhere, right? And if you don't jump in, you're never going to know. And I think that so often, you know, fear constrains us more than it should. You know, we should just jump in and yeah, it's not going to be perfect. And you may not be perfect the first time you go out and speak or, or do anything, but at least give it a shot. At least try. Yes. And, you know, nothing will ever be perfect. Nothing will ever be perfect. And, and I think in dentistry, we tend to be perfectionists because if, because if we're a millimeter off, <laughs> that can make a big difference, right? Sure it can. <laughs> Millimeter on a crown prep absolutely makes a huge difference. Yeah. Uh -huh. So nothing will be perfect, but if you have a passion to make a difference and a purpose and you want to do it, just go do it. Jump in and be prepared. I have to say that that's what I hear in your voice is your passion for your subject. And I can tell you clearly absolutely love what you're doing today and you are so good at it more because of your passion for it than anything else I would imagine. Well, I appreciate that. It is a passion and that's what keeps me going because gosh, do I get up and, and is every presentation perfect? Oh, it's not. But if I can change one person in dentistry, a hygienist, assistant, dentist front office on how they view this cancer and to screen better, to ask questions, to update their health history, to help save a life, then I've done my job. Absolutely. Is there anyone in dentistry who inspires you today to do what you want, what you're doing? <laughs> there's probably a lot of them, isn't there? Oh, there's, you know, there's so many and it really just goes back to that tribe of women mm -hmm. you i mean really and i'm not just saying that because we're together it's just as i've gotten to know you mj and what your purpose is to help and grow women in dentistry jasmine haley yeah jasmine and i were award of distinction recipients together in 2018 that's when we first met and jasmine is now she's my friend. She's been a coach. She's a mentor. Cheryl Schaefer, what she's doing to save and change lives with, with Mayo. I mean, there's so many. Patty DeGangie, Cindy Purdy. I'll leave somebody out. Um, but there's so many. That's awesome. So, so many. And, you know, they're all just out there serving their purpose and their passion that they're encouraging others. That's what it's about, that we, that we come together and encourage and support one another. I think that's the one thing about dentistry that I admire the most as a profession. Nowhere have I ever seen an industry come together as much as it has in the last three months. And I think that even before then, the camaraderie that we all feel with one another is unlike any other profession out there. I don't think, 
I really don't think there's many professions that are like ours. I know medicine is not like ours. I know law is not like ours. Dentistry has its, it's real, it's very, very special. There's something about it. And I don't know. I don't know. I've never been able to put my finger on it. And I don't know as much about other professions as I know about dentistry, but I do know there's something so different about it. Yeah, I have to agree. And you're so right. These last few months, seeing everybody come together, it's, it's just been amazing to watch it, to see what's evolved. And, and we're, we're coming out of it. And we will be, we will be so much better. For it. I totally agree with you. Better and stronger. What's one thing that people would be surprised to know about you? I sang on stage with Barry Manilow. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah. And I can't carry a tune. I'm not a good singer, but um, yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, a patient of mine in our dental practice got myself and a few other friends not front row but like fourth row seats to a Barry Manilow concert here in Denver gosh it was almost 20 years ago I think maybe even 21 22 anyway um Barry picked somebody out of the audience to come up and sing I can't smile without you with him and I was sitting on the end and it happened to be me so, <laughs> oh my gosh, how fabulous. That's a great story. That is a great story. They recorded it. His, his people recorded it. And so I have a recording of it. It was quite fun. <laughs> I bet. I bet. That's awesome. Now, have you ever had an aha moment where you realized, oh my gosh, I'm doing exactly what I've been meant to do my entire life? You know, it really was that um, those few days where I saw my patient, Evelyn, and then I went to the Donnie um, fan club get together and selected for his program to go out and make a difference. And the things just came together. It was like, here are these two things. And it's like, okay, what do you do with that? That was my aha moment. Now, is he still supporting your work at this point? Is he still doing that? You know, no. What that was, it was a year-long program. And then what we did is, you know, really the funny thing was he gave us $300. He gave us a camera and said, go out and make a difference in your community. And then he said, oh, I want your phone number. I'm going to call you once a month to check in on you and see how you're doing this year. And I thought, sure. Uh-huh. Well, he did called us once a month to see what we were doing. And then he said, I want you to come back at the end of the year to next fan club get together and present what you did this year, this past year to make a difference in your community. So we did that. So, and then that's where it ended. So he doesn't really support us anymore. However, I have gone back to see him. They just, he and Marie just retired their show last year, but I went back several times after I was a part of his program to give him updates on what I was doing because it continued to grow so much and evolve into so much more from that original year 
So support emotionally, yeah, but you know, as far as checking in and everything, no, um, he doesn't do that anymore. He's so busy. <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, how fabulous that is that once a month he did check in and he knew you by your first name. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, how cool is that? I know. And, and when I would go back to their shows and, and go to the meet and greet and talk to him and, you know, take like RDH magazine and show him an article or an award or something, he remembered he remembered Evelyn. Wow. And, and that was the thing is he remembered that story and, and the whole why behind it. You know, I do think that that's critically important that we have a why, right? It all starts with the reason why, you know, why are you doing anything? And when there's enough energy and passion behind the why, it makes it easy to get up every day and, and go and do what you want to do. So Kudos to you for being able to harness that and propel yourself through, you know, where you are today, because otherwise, you know, it would have just fizzled and gone nowhere. And, you know, there'd be people out there that may not be, you know, diagnosed, but because of you, they are. So kudos to you. Congratulations. I mean, I think that's fabulous. Yeah, it is a passion. Do you have a personal motto or mantra that you live your day by? I do, and it's pretty simple. It's, I can do this. Yeah, when, I, when the little monkey mind starts going, you know, the negative talk, what do you think you're doing? You can't do this. Oh, my gosh, you know. Mo and schmo. That's what we call them, mo and schmo. <laughs> mo and schmo. It's like, no, I can do this. And I remember the why. I remember Evelyn. I remember the survivors and the people who haven't survived this cancer. Do you have a guilty pleasure or secret dream that you want to share with the audience? Oh, sure. I have both. Excellent. Yeah. My guilty pleasure is chocolate. I love chocolate. Dark chocolate, milk chocolate, white chocolate. It's chocolate. <laughs> In any way, shape or form, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And a dream. I want to spend the winter months on Maui. Oh, Maui's beautiful. It is. <laughs> have you done um, any time there so far? I have. You know, my first visit was when I was a senior in high school. And I'll, I'll give away my age. Um, it was Christmas of 1976. I was a senior in high school and my mom and dad and I took a trip. We went to the four big islands and we fell in love with Maui. And I go back as often as I can. And in fact, I have been going the last several years. There is a dental hygiene school on Maui. And um, I got connected with them. And so I go and speak to the dental hygiene students during their senior year and talk to them about HPV, oral and oral pharyngeal cancer. Wow, that's fabulous. So you can write off the whole trip. Well, almost. <laughs> okay, okay. But it started here in Colorado, going to the dental hygiene schools to talk about the oral cancer walk. But now I go to several and talk to the seniors right before they graduate. And it really is, it's a motivational talk on mm -hmm. 
the screening, this life-saving procedure that they do, and I share stories to reach their hearts. Why not to give this up? You're going to be faced with a lot of things to do in your hygiene appointment time. And here's why this one procedure is the most important thing that you will do. Awesome. Well, I have really enjoyed our conversation today, Susan. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and hang out with me. I really do appreciate it. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Anything important that you want them to know? Could be about anything, about HPV, anything. You know, we have an epidemic in our cancer, and the curve has not flattened, and it is not flattening. So what are you doing in your individual operatory and in your office as a whole to help flatten that curve, to educate and to save lives. And it's okay to talk about cancer in the dental office. Sometimes we're afraid to mention cancer. I've heard, oh my gosh, I don't wanna scare my patients. Well, if us mentioning the word cancer in the dental office scares patients, you know, then they're frightened by the time they walk in because we hear about every cancer on the news, in commercials, and it's just, we're just educating, we're raising awareness. So if a patient notices a sign or symptom, they can be proactive and take action themselves and get themselves to you or another specialist. So we owe it to them to educate them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so join with me and let's save lives. Absolutely. What a great way to end the show. So thank you so much, Susan. We really appreciate the time you've given us. Oh, MJ, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you and talk with you and kudos to you for what you're doing with this podcast. And I mean, you, you do amazing things. You do so many amazing things, but um, just all the best to you in this podcast. I think Thank it's awesome. you. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. You know, if we, just like you, if, you, if I can help one young woman, you know, achieve a goal that she has in mind that she doesn't think that she can do, then I've accomplished what I set out to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good for you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Susan. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.